You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dumlin, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, man, how's uh, how's life there for you? Hey, things are going pretty well. I mean, you know, everything's kind of a downer after the, the Broncos drop a game like they did this week after, you know, momentum felt like it was starting to turn around, but you know what? It's Christmas time. going to have a little nice little work break coming up here soon. And, you know, can't can't really complain. And, this, you know, as, as a draft person, you know, every single loss is – it's a win-win, you know. If they lose, you know, that, that's not great. You know, I guess that is technically a loss by definition. <laughs> but it just makes us one st- spot higher in the draft order. And if you're going to lose games, at least you have that to look forward to and, you know, replenish the roster and get better. There you go. Man, you get Christmas off? I get – well, I mean, 24th and the 25th. And then I'm going to take – I mean, uh, yeah, I guess you don't really get that off in your <laughs> in your line of work, but no, not quite. Yeah, That's no, it's a right. uh, yeah. I mean, you signed up for it, I guess. I did, I did. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right. It's always tough after a loss, but at the same time, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, Bronco fans, were we really seeing a Super Bowl run out of this group? Probably not, especially with some of these injuries that have been piling up on the Broncos. But, I mean, it, it does. It, t- it takes a little wind out of the sails after three big wins against some pretty tough teams. And it's just kind of h- how the season has gone a little bit this year. I, yeah. It's just we, we lose to some teams that we should beat and beat some teams that we should lose to. It, th- this is a, a complicated team for sure still confusing how they were able to beat the especially the chargers game looking back i mean the raiders now went on and beat the (laughs) beat the steelers but i mean how'd they beat the chargers i guess you know all those turnovers really made the difference in the end but yeah this is a this is a unfortunate loss and it's makes it even worse because the team they lost to is just uh not very good but they looked like the much better team on sunday that they did well, we want to let you know that the Building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to, as we just talked about, the NFL draft and, of course, some team building. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting the enemy, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and, of course, just a little general football-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports and affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, and Kindle or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, Nick, it's uh, sometimes hard to see the the sunshine through the rain after this this last weekend, like we already said. But uh, 
as we always like to do, we like to look at both the positive and the, and the negative when we're looking at past, past, past oh, let me say that. We're always looking at the, the positive and negative of past games. And when we're team building people, we like to see, okay, these are the guys that are stepping up that can maybe be part of the future and, and looking good. And other guys that maybe uh, they're going to have some trouble moving forward. But uh, who were some of your guys that really stood out for this game in the positive for you? Well, number one has to be Iowa product to George Kittle, right? No, I mean, <laughs> Chad oh, man. Lidley. Uh, yeah. that's, a little, that's a little anxiety building up when you say his name. A little too soon. Yeah, Chad literally messaged me last night and said, you know what, I know you're an Iowa boy, but lay off the George Kittle stuff. So I just might as well open it up and rip off that Band-Aid. But yeah, um, well, just wanted to throw that out there just to tease you and the listeners. So sorry, guys, but really a stock up. You know, maybe it's kind of hard to find stock ups when the, the game was as bad as this one was uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, literally scratching at names to get that. But for me, number one, Garrett Bowles, he was probably the best player on the Broncos offensive line. Him and Turner did not have bad games where McGovern had one of the, we'll talk about that here soon, but McGovern really struggled and so did Wilkinson and Valdir did have a great game. So Garrett Bowles playing better and better. And I guess, you know, not playing bad as a stock up this week because it was not great. The other guys that I have, I have Derek Wolf, who I was watching the game on a replay of it, man, the Broncos defensive line on both sides of the ball, but really the defensive line, I have not seen them get beat like that up front in a long time. Now the edge rushers were doing things, but the, the interior defensive line really just did not impress me outside of Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf played good. They were really running it more to the left side of the line, getting those guys you know, on that zone stretch that the Shanahan's like to use. Iowa likes to use it a lot too. So I'm familiar with that system, but Derek Wolf played pretty well as a run stopper. He was like the only guy that was able to hold up at the point of attack against the 49ers. And then Tim Patrick, really, really a good game from him. Honestly, yeah, I see you don't have Deshaun Hamilton listed there, but Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton specifically in the second half had good games of uh, Tim Patrick, you know, he have been over 100 yards and eight catches if the Vance Joseph challenged and the Broncos had won that challenge uh, at the second half of the game. So Tim Patrick, I thought he he's the guy who stepped up. You know, a lot of people talking about Cortland Sutton entering the season, DT being traded, Emmanuel Sanders going down, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, he was probably the the most uh, disappointed of those guys. And um, Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton, especially in the second half, stock up there. Yeah, no, I, I thought about having Deshaun Hamilton on my list. I mean, he got his first NFL touchdown and made some nice plays. He he did some things that I had talked about last week that uh, I needed to see out of him of how does he do when the scramble drill starts happening. And there was a lot of scramble drills in that game because the offensive line was struggling to hold up. But uh, no, both those guys really showed well for being young players and and show that they at least have some some nice pieces moving forward. We've talked about this a little bit, just you and I of. I do think that this wide receiver group needs some kind of veteran presence. I mean, there are some things that they really struggled with press man coverage. I'm going to write an article on that here later this week, but otherwise, I mean, they made some nice things happen. It's just, you can tell they're just missing that, that one solid piece, that guy that really takes coverage from everybody else. And my guys though, I have Bradley Chubb. Got two sacks this past game, held up pretty good in the run game. I mean, this guy, he just, he's everything you could hope for with a top five pick like him. I mean, you and I've talked about it, that he wasn't the most athletic guy that was going to be a top five pick for the defensive and outside linebacker spot, pass rush spot. But at the same time, he is just one of the most consistent guys. I mean, you you know, week in and week out, you're going to get top motor from this guy. 
And uh, the Broncos are very, very fortunate to have a nice piece like him to build around. And him and Von Miller for the next few years are just going to be, if they can get that one other pass rush piece, I mean, Shelby Harris is kind of there. But if they can get maybe just something else there on the interior, that defensive line, oh my goodness, it's going to be fun to watch. But then I have Royce Freeman. I know he only got a few carries in this game, but he looked a little bit more explosive again. He did a great job finding some holes. He was the one guy in the run game that just seemed like he was really excited about this game. And then you know, finally, oh, go three, ahead. Of th- three of his runs went for one or less yards, three of his six runs. And, and I get that. I mean, and some of that was the offensive line was just getting beat. Yeah. I mean, so you can't really put that on the running backs. I mean, you and I've talked about it of what would you rather have a dynamic offensive line or a dynamic running back? You want a dynamic offensive line. I mean, it, it just, it makes or breaks the entire run game. And, but it, there were some holes where I thought he showed some really good patience and then burst through the hole to get some good gains. And, and my final guy then is Shelby Harris. I, I thought, yeah, he didn't exactly do great in the run game, but the pass game, he was doing good, getting a little bit of pressure. He had the two knockdowns at the line of scrimmage. I just thought he he did pretty well. I mean, we're kind of uh, we're struggling to find guys because when you are facing a terrible team like the 49ers and your team looks terrible, it's kind of hard to find some of these guys. So you're kind of nitpicking on some things and trying to find a little bit here and there, but for the most part, those those would be my three guys. Yeah, not bad. And moving on to stock down, honestly, we could go with a fair amount of guys. But number one for me, a guy I've had, I hinted at a little bit ago, but a guy who had probably the, honestly, the worst game of his career. And we kind of hinted at it last podcast also that this is a, a matchup that we were concerned about. And boy, did it play out that way. But Connor McGovern, I mean, something that he was pretty good at the right guard and brought it to the center was, you know, that initial jolt with his ability to push guys off in the run game. But he has struggled with guys who are, I mean, let's just face it, those blue chip, long-limbed, specifically long-limbed guys at defensive tackle from Leonard Williams against the Jets to now DeForest Buckner against the 49ers. And boy, McGovern just had an absolutely horrible game, you know, from pass blocking, run blocking, and even snapping the ball. I mean, just just an all-around bad game. And this was the first game. I mean, obviously they've missed Paradis, but this is the first game all year where I've been like, man, this team really needs to see what the market is for him and potentially bring him back. Because even though he's not a dominating player at center, bringing that consistency with his line checks and everything is valuable. And this team will have some money to throw around this off season. So definitely missed Paradis this, this week as McGovern really struggled at center. Um, my second guy, it's actually a tie, a tie here, but it's both tight ends. Matt Lacoste and Brian Parker have both had a catch. You know, one of them went for five yards. One of them went for three yards, if I recall correctly. Uh, zero separation, not doing anything on the edge in the run game. I mean, this is this is a horrific tight end depth chart. I mean, they've missed their top three most talented guys at the position, so that's going to happen. But, my God, there was nothing going on here from the tight ends, and it's, it's killing Keenum because he really likes to use those tight ends. And then perhaps – the, the worst player on the defense for the Broncos, uh, once again, Darian Stewart, looks like a shell of himself. You know, they have him playing a little bit more strong safety, I feel like, recently. And I think that's more because they want to move Simmons to more of a free safety role next season, more of that free safety coming down and playing nickel. Where And you see Stewart in the box, but my God, Stewart in the box, you know, they're, they're missing zone coverage. He's slow to react. He's not closing on guys. He's not wrapping up well. And it's just it's just all around bad from Darian Stewart. And I've heard some talk that the some people want him to retire in the offseason, but that doesn't sound like it's gonna happen. But he I would be beyond shocked if he was here 
after this season because he has just been dreadful on the back end of the Broncos defense. Part of me wouldn't be shocked if he was actually cut here pretty soon. I mean, I know there's some financial things. I'm not sure how that all plays out for the rest of the season. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me with some of these young safeties that they want to get out there and see what they bring. I mean, you're right. He just, he's been terrible. He had the interception. That's great. That's one play minus, I mean, then you got the 200 yards given up to to your boy Kittle. And Stewart was in on a lot of those coverage coverage plays. Uh, It was, yeah, it was bad. My guys... I know some Bronco fans are going to be really, really upset about this one, but Philip Lindsay, he just had his worst game as a Bronco by far. In the passing game, he had a couple drops where he was wide open. I mean, they weren't perfect throws, but they are passes you hoped that a player can bring in that's a, a dynamic player like him. And then just he wasn't breaking tackles like he usually does. I mean, that fourth down play, it wasn't the smartest play. I hate when they throw a pass where it's it's short of the – the first down. I hate when teams do that. I know you can't do it every single time, but especially on a fourth down play. But then again, Philip Lindsay, he has one-on-one to make a first down and he couldn't do it. It just was a very, very disappointing game from him. I thought there was a couple times where he tried to do too much where there was a hole at least to go pick up three or four yards. And instead he decided to try to take it outside a little too much. And it just, yeah, not my favorite game. Isaac Yadam, He's another one. Just they, they picked on him. I know he got hurt and, and there was some of that and the whole secondary had to change up on some things, but there's just definitely not his game. And I mean, he's been called into duty that he wasn't expected to this year. So that's kind of understandable a little bit that he's have to take on a little bit more. But I mean, if the Broncos are going to do anything to close out these final three games, I mean, they're just going to need some more from some of these guys, especially in the secondary and then you said Connor McGovern. I'm going to talk about the guy next to him, Elijah Wilkinson. This is the other guy that was that was on Buckner and, and was supposed to be helping out, and he just got blown off the line. There, there was quite a few plays where he was right in the face of Keenum because his guy just got he just, his guy just pushed him straight back into him, and there just was no pocket to step into. Uh, it just it was it was a very very disappointing game from especially the right side of the offensive line. Yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to look at my over 3,000-word piece last week. It was a film piece, but it kind of keyed on why the Broncos have a perception of an improved offensive line. And I said that this interior offensive line is still, I mean, you know, you lost Paradise and Leary, but there are some real concerns <laughs> with the interior offensive line still that are being hidden because of many factors. If you read the article, you can see it, and man – that reared its ugly head this week. So plenty of other guys could be on stock down as well. Both Todd Davis and Josie Jewell looking bad in coverage. Justin Simmons, again, you know, not great. Uh, the receivers, Deshaun, or I'm surprised you didn't have Cortland Sutton. I mean, what, what did he do? This is a he talking, you know, really excited about the opportunity to go up and be the number one and crickets, you know? <laughs> yeah, there was. I mean, we could have done an entire show on the stock down. I mean, we don't want to bring everybody down, but Casey. it was, it was just a, a bad, bad game from a lot of people. Yeah. Musgrave Keenum. I mean, gosh, there are plenty of fingers to go around it, which is yeah. the other article I wrote this week saying there was a, a Murphy's law. As far as offensive output goes, when you can't get the ball off, you can't beat press, you're getting blown up up the middle and you can't run the football. What do you see? Absolute ineptitude. So right. kind of uh, made some second half adjustments and Hamilton and Patrick were showing out a little more, but too little, too late. Right. You got, you got to make those adjustments faster. Yeah. I mean, you see that they're playing press man against you. Okay. We'll do some press man beaters. 
Go with some bunch formations where they can't press you. Make it where it's complicated, where where are they going? Then they have to play a little bit more zone to to try to fight some of those things off. I mean, there's just some things that you can do to to fight that, and we just never saw it. Even even in the second half, I was still sitting there waiting for some of those bunch formations. The Patriots run it like crazy. They especially love it against teams that want to play man coverage because it forces them to have to play a lot more zone. And nah, I don't know. It, it just was. I, was. I was very disappointed in Bill Musgrave in that game. Not great. His running scheme has been good for this team. His passing scheme looks like it's still in the 1990s. So, yeah, moving on, forward progress versus loss of down. Honestly, this week I had a hard time with the forward progress because so much was going wrong, but I think we got to focus on the positives here. And the biggest positive on this team, not only in this game, but all season and going forward, is this edge rushing duo. I mean, you got Von Miller, who is one of the league leaders in sacks. He's behind Donald, you know. He's right up there with Watt, but still, he's he's having a great season, even despite his offsides jumping. And I don't even mind Vance of calling him out for that. He's still one of the best edge rushers in the league, and he's going to be effective for the next four to five years. And then Bradley Chubb is coming into his own. Honestly, I'm he's been one of the most productive rookie pass rushers in a long time. He did come in more refined than most typical edge rushers with you know potentially better athletic traits, size, et cetera, et cetera. But Chubb is playing great and he deserves credit. You know, I know been kind of a, a dig on pro football focus here recently where they have Bradley Chubb has like the legit legitimately has the same amount of pressures this season as Cleo Mack, and yet Bradley Chubb is like the ninth best rated edge rusher in this rookie class so something something's not adding up here pro football focus you know you gotta gotta call you out you know there's some issues i don't mind the cool statistics that they gather and whatnot you know they do a lot of good stuff in that regard but their grades eh. and even even worse people who take their grades as you know the end all be all right eh. they're about as subjective as they come yeah, I mean, when you release the grades after the the Bengals game of the Broncos' top five offensive performers, and two of the five are Matt Paradis and Demarius Thomas, who haven't played in a long time. Let's be honest, <laughs> there, there's something going on in the background that makes me think like I don't I don't know if I'm taking this to heart. You know, maybe that I appreciate a lot that they do. You know, they they do some good work, but the end all be all specifically with their grades, eh, n- not for me. All right. Well, my mine is run defense, kind of. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm torn. I, I put that, and then I'm sitting there thinking about the end of the game where they allowed first downs. They, I mean, there were some of the passes that they made on some of those, but they also allowed some decent runs there at the end of the game. They did hold them to under three yards per carry, so I got to give them that a little bit. I, I don't know. I was I was with you. I was having a little trouble finding something to be really positive about from this last game. Maybe cornerback coverage, because I mean they're not the reason that we got beat. Yeah, not even close. Like they, Yadam played okay. I mean he did give up a touchdown to Pettis, who's a good route runner. But I mean Roby did fine. The Jamar Taylor came in and did fine. Granted, this is a lot to do with the 49ers lacking weapons on the outside. But you know maybe maybe the edge rushers and the cornerbacks would be the the two I would give a little yeah. prop. That'd be me. I can All get right. I get behind that. Like I said, not a lot to get behind. <laughs> um, loss of down. 
for me, you know, a lot of this the offense, when you only put up 14 points, most has to go on the offense, but something that really chafes me being a more defensive focused person is the lack of defensive execution, specifically in the first half. And that 85 yard touchdown to George Kittle was literally one of the, I mean, it was like weeks one through four again, where the linebackers and the safeties are just flying downhill to stop the run. And then once they see it's a play action, just literally in no man's land, pointing at each other, running to areas where there's no players there in man coverage, no less. So, yeah, that one was horrible. It looked like Todd Davis was on coverage of Kittle on that play, and then he pointed at Stewart or Simmons to try to cover it. Yadam went deep to cover it, and then I mean, there was just nobody there, and then horrible tackling at the end, but they were biting on play action early. They were not covering their man, and I know a lot of people want to give Joe Woods ish, or, you know, a hard time, which, you know, rightfully so. And, you know, Joe Woods is calling plays in the first half to Vance Joseph calling defensive plays in the second half, but the execution specifically over the middle was horrible and if you're not going to execute i just i have a hard time putting it on the the play callers because i mean the linebackers cheating and the defensive line getting blown off at the point of attack it's just just a lot going wrong with defense early on and that's the reason that the the game got out of whack granted the offense again 14 points is not going to cut it i am sorry that's just this is just not going to cut it i don't care who you're going up against but defensive execution for me something they've been better at over the last few weeks was back down the toilet in the first half this week all right. Well, I, I went with, I already talked about it a little bit, the, the getting off press coverage, the, the young guys just, they were not set up for, for success in this game. And you throw in that there was pressure right up the middle and it, it just, it was, I can't cuss on this show and I better not cuss anyway, but <laughs> there was a lot, just a crap the whole thing. Yeah. It was just, yeah, the, everything went bad for the offense in this game. I'm surprised that it took this long for this defensive scheme to come about. Well, like, I mean, th- there's Sanders. Yeah, but s- still, I mean, I get that Sanders is a, a press beater and he can beat zone and man. I mean, he's I've been underrating Sanders for far too long. Even I can I, I can admit that. But still, I feel like the big chunk plays coming from this offense have been the ground game. So yeah. you make you compress everything and then make Keenan beat you and make him throw you know, those intermediate throws outside the hash marks pretty much cover one beaters, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, Bruce Arians would, you know, draw it up on the whiteboard right now if we could have him on. <laughs> yeah, that's just, it just was not, not happening, you know, do everything to make sure Lindsay does not get that big gains. That's making this offense turn and then make Keenum beat you. And it just was not there. Right. And then you throw in not only Keenum not being able to beat them, but, then the wide receiver is not getting off the line of scrimmage. I mean, there's a lot of plays. I remember them, zo- you know, zooming out and showing there was nobody open. Yeah. I mean, they just took forever to get open and Keenum sitting there going, where do I even throw it? And pressure in his face. I mean, there, there just wasn't much there. And like I said, the, the scheme, the, the game plan was just all wrong for what the 49ers were trying to do on defense. There's just so many things the Broncos could have done that would have made them back off. And they never, they just never really did it throughout the entire game. Yeah, they got some things going in the second half, but I think that was more the 49ers were kind of just playing to take the air out of the ball. Right. Just get out of the game, you know, find a way to win there at the end. But (laughs) for me, I think the, the most irritating thing was that, you know, there's, like I said, the the offensive piece I did this week, there's so many issues, but if you have cover one aggressive press man and you have guys with the size that Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton have, 
and you're you're so compressed at the line of scrimmage against the run even you need to take some calculated risks. And I know there's, you know, oh, Vance Joseph talking out of both sides of his mouth. He wants Keenan to protect the football, but he also wants to be more aggressive. Well, you know what? It's not binary. It's not this or that. There are times when it calls to be aggressive. And when they're playing as aggressive as they are, a, a, a team that only has five takeaways on the entire season at that, and you have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick outside, you need to design something or, you know, tell the quarterback, like, if it's there, you need to throw it up because they, they are not a team that's taking the ball away. And you have mismatch weapons with size on the outside, and it should make everything else open up. And they just never did it. I mean, four point four yards per attempt on Tinum. I get that they couldn't run the ball. I get that the guys were not getting great separation, specific, specifically in the first half. And I get the interior offensive line was getting beat. But you got to loosen it up a little bit. And I did just just did not do it. I mean, four point four yards per attempt. I felt like I was watching, you know, even more of a throwback here. Kyle Orton in those days where he refused to throw it past the first down marker any play. I mean, that's that's where right. we. Well, they they had the first and the first drive. I think it was they threw one deep to Cortland Sutton, and and they never went back to it. And and he had that one on one coverage, had an opportunity, he just didn't make the catch. I, I don't know why he's trying to make a one handed catch. Some of the young guys always want to make that one handed catch. If you got a chance to get your second hand up there, get it. And but again, I mean, keep challenging that. He, yeah. He's got a, a young guy on him too that was was Witherspoon. Right. He's being very aggressive. You could at least get a play, uh, a pass interference call or a holding call, something. Yep, exactly. You got, if they're playing that aggressive up front, you have to take shots. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand the, the game plan. It's maybe like they've drilled it so much into his head, the Keenum. All you have to do is not turn the ball over. But when you get, when you're getting behind like this and a team's playing that compressed and taking away the run game because of that, you have to you have to counteract it. So, I don't know. I'm I'm frustrated by the loss, but uh, we should move on here. The injury update from this game, you know, nothing nothing too severe. Thank God. You know, knock on wood. We'll see if anything comes out. We're recording this actually on Tuesday instead of Wednesday because the game is Saturday. But you know, Cortland Sutton had a thigh injury. We saw the Andre Holmes come in for a little bit instead of River Craycraft, which is I think notable. But he's he should be fine going forward. And Isaac Yadam shoulder injury. I've heard he's day-to-day. We will see if he can play. The Broncos are working out some cornerbacks. They're not sure if Tremaine Brock's going to be back, but that's uh, that's worth following going forward. All right, well, now time to uh, you know burn up that game, throw away the tape. I've already watched the game again, and, man, I guess I'm a glutton for, for pain because that sucked to watch. But, you know, what can you do? We're moving forward here, and I got to say, man, watching the – preparing for this game, watching the Browns since Hugh Jackson's been fired, this Browns team is playing some pretty good football. I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm pretty nervous about this game. Very, very, I, I think the Broncos will probably be favored favored because they're in Denver, but I, I'm zero, I would be 0% surprised if the Browns ended up favored by Vegas because they're playing well. And this offense looking across, I mean, they got a lot of young, exciting pieces. I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, Baker Mayfield looking like the best rookie quarterback so far this year. And I mean, he, he had an incredible game last week. I think he went what eighteen for twenty-two, and three of those passes that that were missed were actually drops. I mean, eighty-one point eight percent completion percentage against a pretty solid Panthers defense. That's nothing to that's nothing to scoff at. Right. I mean, the, <laughs> we we said this guy was going to be good, and he's definitely proving as a rookie even to be really really good. And then he's got another rookie, Nick Chubb, there in the backfield, who is just phenomenal. I mean. Uh, he's got to be, he's definitely in the top four running rookie running back so far this year. 
I mean, carry on Johnson, Barkley, of course, and then our, our guy, Philip Lindsay, but Nick Chubb, I mean, he has some runs where he's especially yards after contact. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that when we get to the stats, but this guy runs through people. He's got good balance. He's, he's definitely a, a throwback power back, but he's still laterally quick enough to make guys miss in space and he's just bouncy. So he's, he's really, really something else, but I think we got to come back to Baker Mayfield here. I mean, ever since, you know, Hugh Jackson's been fired, he's really just, just taken off and looking at his last four games. I mean, again, he went up against the Falcons who granted have been on a big losing streak, you know, not great, but he had, what, what do you think his passer rating was against the Falcons? I think it was in over 140, wasn't it? 151.3. Yep. The next week against the Bengals, 143.9. Against the Texans, he threw three interceptions, but he almost threw for 400 yards, 75 rating. You know, that's not a great game. Three interceptions is a big deal. And then this week, um, 126.9 rating. Quarterback ratings, you know, becoming more and more outdated. But three of his last four games, he has a rating of over 100 passer rate, or a pass rating of over 100. Keenum hasn't had that once this season. So, I mean, Baker's playing. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Baker's playing good football, and he's just. It's frustrating to watch him too. He's one of those guys. He's a pest. You know, it's not just the attitude and everything like that, which can rub people the wrong way, but you get guys flying around him and bodies flying around him. And a lot of quarterbacks would sit back there and, you know, make a bad throw or, you know, run into pressure. Just, just get frazzled. I feel like Baker is better when things are chaotic and he stills in the pocket and making plays. He's such a quick processor. He's so accurate to, I mean, he's not, he's not a crazy armed talent, but he, I mean, the, the pre draft comparison, some people are saying Drew Brees. And I, I mean, I really see it with him. He's got that ability and I'm, I'm a little bit worried because the Broncos back seven is obviously not a great, especially with Chris Harris jr. Going down and he can negate some of some teams abilities to rush the passer because he's so good in the pocket under pressure and just is able to buy time. I mean, a counter, I hate to you know compare him to Case Keenum again, but what I'm seeing from Baker Mayfield is he can escape the pocket when he wants to, but he's much better at sliding, shifting in the pocket, stepping up to where there's a vacated area and then delivering the throw where with Case Keenum, what's Case Keenum doing when there's pressure? He's freaking running around the right tackle outside, you know, running backwards. So it's a longer throw and cutting the field in half. You know, I understand Case Keenum is better outside the pocket. It's night and day compared to what his numbers are inside the pocket, outside the pocket. But what Baker is doing is exactly what I want from my quarterback as far as when there's pressure. You know, he's buying time. He's staying calm. He's staying in the square. He's staying in phase. And he's delivering. So that's something to really watch for for the the Broncos this week. But, yeah, sorry. I had to talk a little bit about Baker. No, I understand. And, and, I mean, he deserves definitely getting talked about. One of my unique stats for this game Baker Mayfield went five for five for 76 yards and a touchdown and a perfect quarterback rating when pressured. Mm, crazy. So fits fits what you were just talking about. Uh, the, the stats line up with the what you're seeing on tape for sure. And yeah. then looking at the rest of the team, I mean, Jarvis Landry, he's a good slot receiver. I, I don't think I'd call him a number one receiver by any means, even though he yeah, is their number one receiver right now. <laughs> Antonio Callaway. Uh, He's having a decent rookie year. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Rashard Higgins, some of you Colorado State fans will remember him. I mean, it, he doesn't have exactly the best weapons. He's got good running backs because Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson as, as his backup. I mean, that, that's pretty good. David Njoku at the tight end position, one of the more athletic tight ends in the NFL right now. Somebody and, need an alarm button going off right now. Warning, mm-hmm. athletic matchmaking tight end. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> but but no, I mean, he just 
Baker Mayfield makes this offense go. I mean, yeah. he just he knows how to get his guys open. He throws guys open. He, he's made some just throws that just wow me. I mean, we, we could talk about Patrick Mahomes and some of the wild throws he makes. Baker Mayfield's doing some of those same things. He doesn't have quite the arm, but I mean, it's it's still you can just tell the, the game is not too fast for this rookie. And he, he looks like he's going to have a long NFL career and Cleveland Browns. I mean, can we are we going to be jealous of them? I think I'm already there looking over the roster. You know, I'm very happy to have Chubb and Vaughn building. And there's some good young pieces here, but they got the quarterback. They got a crud ton of cap space. They got some interesting young weapons on offense and they got the pass rusher and the, the cornerback on defense. So, I mean, they're not there yet, but they still have a lot of picks. They have a lot of cap space and above all else, they got that quarterback. So something now, I do want to touch on. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say now they, they do have some weaknesses that yeah. there is a reason that they are, are not in the top five teams in the NFL right now. Oh yeah. And I mean, you, you look at this offensive line, they have a great interior three. Great. I got to stress the you said Baker's the best thing on this team. I would say I agree, but the interior trio is right up there with them. The, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to disagree with that because I've, I've, I mean, even the stats line up with that. Over the second half of the season, I think they've only given up like five or six pressures between the three of them. I mean, that that's pretty incredible. But and then last the, open space for the run game as well. Yeah, exactly. But the tackles, that yeah. is where they are weak, which lines up great because the Broncos are strong. And I mean, Greg Robinson, Chris Hubbard, not great. No, not great at all. And they did replace uh, Desmond Harrison earlier this season as an undrafted free agent who I spoke with. And I spoke with his offensive line coach when he played ball at, gosh, I don't even remember what school it is now. (laughs) It was like West Georgia, I believe. But Greg Robinson's in there. And if you guys remember him, he was the second overall pick by the Rams. And gosh, it was a while ago now. Was it like 2010? He was supposed to be this like next generational talent and his tape. He just literally pancake dudes after pancaking dudes with, uh, it might've been with cam cam Newton. Even is that right? I feel like that's maybe a year before. I don't know. Either way, he's been a massive bust and, but he's still been a um, solidifying presence at left tackle compared to Desmond Harrison. So that's something I've noticed as well. Watching them is that their, their tackle situation is not great, but with the interior trio they have that is dominating, we got to call him out. Joel Batino, probably one of the best left guards in football. Uh, J.C. Treader, who they paid big money for coming over from the Packers. And Kevin Zeitler, who they paid big money for coming over from the Bengals, who they miss dramatically. I can't believe the Bengals let Whitworth and Zeitler go. Both of those guys are playing great football. And then Greg Robinson's been playing better. And Chris Hubbard isn't a great right tackle, but he is solid. So it's it's a solid offensive line, but if they have any weakness, it's those tackles and that that bodes well for the Broncos. If, if anything bodes well for the Broncos in this matchup with looking over their offense, it's that their tackles aren't great. So Chubb and Vaughn, you know, Vaughn can continue his sack streak and hopefully Chubb can get that much closer to breaking the rookie sack record because he is playing great football. And I know he doesn't play for Dallas or he isn't, you know, doesn't play for a Colts team. I don't know. Why is Chubb being overlooked? This is a type of forget I said that. It's just, it's annoying me at this point. We should move on. <laughs> Yeah, we, we could talk about that here sometime. Maybe in the off season we can talk about some of that. Yeah, but, uh, no, you're you're right. It, it's this is a good good opportunity for them to to really take over the game. The Broncos need them to have an outstanding game if they're going to stand a chance. Yeah, but switching over here now to their defense, there's some some pretty good names here as well. Of course, yeah. you got uh, the centerpiece Miles Garrett, the number one overall pick. 
And he just, the athletic traits. I mean, if you combined Miles Garrett with Bradley Chubb and his technique ways and his nonstop motor, you would have the best pass rusher in football. Yeah, I mean, he's he was definitely raw coming in. There were some questions about his mental side of the game, but I mean, he is... He's unbelievable. I mean, really is. He's an athletic freak. He doesn't have the overall size that Clowney has, but he's much more flexible, which is obviously huge for a pass rusher. Uh, Clowney can be more of a a bull in a china shop, just overpowering people with his length and his, uh, speed to power. But Garrett's much more of a quick mover and a burstier player. And twelve and a half sacks on the season. I mean, that's that is nothing to laugh at. And he has, I believe, that he has a uh, three forced fumbles on the season as well. So. Miles Garrett versus we'll talk about it coming up here, but Miles Garrett versus Garrett Bowles, that in itself as an evaluator, especially one who loves the trench play, that itself is worth the the price of admission, especially if you're looking to assess Garrett Bowles and how far he's come. He's played better since the bye week. There's no doubting that. He, he was not the issue on the offensive line last week against the 49ers, which is I mean, everybody likes to blame Garrett Bowles because he's a high profile player being a first round pick. But the Miles Garrett versus Garrett Bowles is going to be a measuring stick game for him. No doubt about it. Definitely. And then moving on, of course, you got on the other side, Emmanuel Ogba and, and Jannard Avery is another guy, the, the rookie that's PFF loves this guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Absolutely loves this guy. Better than uh, job, according to them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy how much they love him, but they, they do have some really good guys here on this defensive line. They got size, they got power, they got speed, they got a little bit of everything mixed in here. The interior guys, Trevin Coley and Larry Ogunjobi. Ooh, man, should have been the Broncos second round pick that year. Mm-hmm. Yep. They again they just they they have playmakers throughout that group right there. And it, it's it definitely shows on tape. They they can because they are young. This is one thing I did see, and I I guess I'm gonna save this a little bit for when I get into the game plan mode. But they can over-pursue. They get too excited about the big play. They're a very, very aggressive defense. Greg Williams, I mean, that's the guy that's coaching them right now. And, I mean, that's what he wants. He wants his guys flying around the field. And it it definitely shows. But that means that they can get out of position at at different times. Yeah, I can't disagree. Larry Ogunjobi is a big, a big piece for them. And he's, you know, he's not an elite interior pass rusher yet, but he's been pretty productive there. So he's, he's one that I like a lot. And Emmanuel Agba has been playing better and better as well. Granted, again, when you have a true game record like Miles Garrett, it makes everybody else's job a little easier. And then linebacking core, you know, Avery is kind of that, he plays that overhang position where you can come down and play like a two point stance on the line of scrimmage, you know, with teams playing so many multiple fronts nowadays, you know, is it a three, four, is it a four, three, et cetera, et cetera. He's a guy that can come in, play that edge speed rush off the edge. If they need him there, um, Joe Schobert's a guy from Wisconsin. He fell in the draft, you know, some athletic questions. And I still think he's not a, he's not a great player. He's a guy that you can definitely take advantage of in space, but he's pretty assignment sound, you know, outside of those other guys you're talking about. I feel like Joe Schobert's one where he's not going to be in the wrong position because of making a mental mistake. And then Jamie Collins, somebody that probably a lot of fans remember the the Patriots, you know, traded him because he was becoming an issue on that team. He wasn't playing disciplined football. Hey, here's the thing. Freak athlete, though. I mean, height, weight, speed. He got it all there at linebacker. Um, there's some questions about him going forward with this team, but no doubt a great, great athlete at the position. And then looking at the secondary, you know, right now, Denzel Ward is he's not running that 
defensive player of the year. I don't think he's the best rookie cornerback either. I know early in the season he was playing pretty well, but I would give that nod to Jair Alexander at the, the Packers. But Denzel Ward is one that he's very athletic. He's very physical. He's like 5'11", 195 pounds, pretty much you know baseline cornerback speed. He's one of the few that has the ability to play – any scheme, you know, off man, press man, um, play in the nickel, play zone, play off zone, cover two, cover three. I think he can do it all because he's so twitchy and physical enough on the outside. We will see if he plays, though. He missed last, last week's game, didn't even practice because of a concussion. So worth watching going forward. You know, this is, we're recording this on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, like we said. So not sure exactly what the injury report will be, but that's worth watching. And then they got some other guys. I mean, cornerback is probably a, a pretty big weakness for this team. They give up a lot of air yards because of it. Philip Gaines, a guy I believe he played for the Chiefs early on in his career, very small yep. guy. TJ Carey, another AFC West holdover. I think the Broncos brought him in and didn't end up signing him, but a, a longer corner, but not a great athlete. And I do like the the safeties, though, for this team. Demarius Randall has looked like an absolute steal from them. I don't understand why the Packers traded him away. He's been playing very good football back there, even though Greg Williams is absurd sometimes with this cover one scheme. And Jabril Peppers, you know, playing better and better – Better and better and better. How many times can I say it? But he's he's a pretty good dimebacker piece, dime nickelback. He'll come down, he'll play aggressive, he'll match up. They'll use him as a pass rusher. And there were some questions about his scheme, his fit in the league going forward. But in today's you know more and more spread air raid schemes, I think a player like Jabril Pepper's skill set is going to come more and more valuable. You know, we hopefully will get that with Sua Cravens, even though he did not play well this week against the pass. But pretty good. Pretty good players at the secondary at safety, but not so much at cornerback. Definitely agree with that. I mean, it's uh, it's where you can take advantage of of this team. And I the mean, agree. <laughs> it's I mean, problem is, do we have the players to actually take advantage of them? I mean, that's going to be part of it. They don't play as much press man that I've seen. They they do back off. They play a lot more off man coverage. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I'm interested to see do they change up because of what the 49ers did. Or do you just stick with what you're best at? Whoever Philip Gaines is guarding and press man is who you throw it to. Yep. Get him hatched up against either Patrick or Sutton. And if he's playing close man coverage, that is your, unless they're rolling on the safety over there immediately, that's your read. Toss it up because that kid is like 5'8". <laughs> he's absolutely tiny. So, And then on uh, special teams, Worth noting as well, Jabril Peppers, kick returner and punt returner, Antonio Callaway. We might see him there. He's been doing some, but it's the uh, return of Britton Colquitt, who the Broncos had here for a number of years. So really uh, good to see him again. He wasn't a great player for this team. His, you know, We got the, the worst of the Colquitts. His brother, Dustin, is better, but he was a solid player here for a little bit. He had a good playoff run. Yeah. I will give him that. When the playoffs showed up, he actually upped his game. Before that, though, he was bottom – 10 punters in the league for sure. Not, not ideal. So, uh, but yeah, moving on here with some of the offensive and defensive statistics, offensively, the Browns are middle of the pack, although they have been playing much better since Hugh Jackson has departed this team. Um, 359 yards per game, 15 uh, ranks 15th in the league. They're passing is middle of the pack as well. Uh, 239.2. However, they are pretty explosive with 6.1 yards per pass, which is tied sixth. Um, their rushing total is not great. Grand Nick Chubb has been, he's had a few just explosive output games, but hasn't really been a consistent, you know, 80 to 120 yard carrier. They have 133 yards per game. And then their rushing per attempt, not, not super great either. 4.7, uh, their points per game, middle of the pack, 22.5. Now the big thing with this team though, that is 
concerning for me. Now, granted, maybe I overhyped it last week with the 49ers who are absolutely dreadful in this area, but the Browns are plus nine on the season with turnover differential of plus nine. And that's tied with the Broncos and the Texans. So they take the ball away over the, the ball away sacks given up. They have given up 36 tied 17th middle of the pack again. And their, their giveaways are, you know, lower in the league actually. So it speaks more to their defense, but the 19 giveaways, 13 interceptions and six fumbles. So definitely, definitely worth watching out for defensively. They are one of the teams they, they body, embody the new defensive i guess model prototype that you want to call it uh, the bend don't break but turnovers are king yards per play they're giving up 400 or yards per wow yards per play yards <laughs> they're giving up yeah wow like they scored four times on that one play that's <laughs> um but yeah yards per game 411 uh, 31st in the league yards per pass attempt so they're uh, yards per Yards per game is passing through the air, 277.9, which is 31st. So they're giving up a lot of yards through the air, as we can see with the secondary, specifically the cornerbacks. Not surprising. Um, yards per game on the ground, middle of the pack, 108.2. And then points per game, though, drops dramatically. They're giving up yards. To, you know, that's one thing. But their points per game is uh, 25.5. But And they're getting after the quarterback somewhat with a tie 23 Tied 23rd, excuse me, with 30 sacks. But really, it's the main thing that stands out here that really just – just was shocking to me is the takeaways. They have 28 takeaways on the season, which is tied second in the league behind the bears who are at just an unprecedented level in takeaways. They are 15 interceptions, which is really good. Right. Ranked third in the league, but man, Greg Williams and this team, they are attacking the football. So you got to watch out for this, this week. This is really just a really interesting stat to me. Um, they've forced 13 turnovers this year uh, through fumbles, 13 fumbles. But on the other side of that, the Broncos have given up the least amount of fumbles with three. So three lost fumbles. So something to give there this week. That'll be really interesting to watch. And like I said, since we are a a day ahead, normally the DVO, DVOA stats come out just a little bit later. You know, they'd come out tonight, but unfortunately we don't have that that ability. But the Browns before last week were ranked 23rd in terms of uh, total DVA, DVOA with their offensive DVOA ranking being uh, 25th and their defense being 10th. And I think a heavy weight of that has to do with the, the amount of turnovers that they get and the fact that they're giving up yards, but they're not really giving up points. You know, they're giving up some points, but not so much. And it really, it's the turnovers that are the biggest thing. So yeah, pretty interesting matchup this week. You know, we kind of, kind of the antithesis last week where the Brown, the 49ers, everything was kind of middle of the pack, but they were just refused to take the ball away. Well, the Browns are giving up the yards specifically through the air. Like it's going out of style, but but they're taking the ball away and giving it back to their offense. So it'll be interesting to watch and see if Musgrave and Keenum can, can adjust for that and put up something just a little better. I know that they want to be more aggressive, but you got to watch out for it because the Browns are taking the ball away. Do you know what streak ended last week for the Broncos? Ooh, was it? I, I don't know. Go for it. <laughs> it was games one when winning the turnover battle. Mm. They, they won the turnover battle and lost the 49ers. I thought they lost that earlier this season. Did they? I, I thought they were still continuing it on. I thought they lost that against the, maybe it was the Ravens. Maybe they did. I don't know. But uh, I mean, it, it showed up again this week, at least. Yeah. Yep. So e- either way, you might be right. I'm looking at it right now. If I can get to it. <laughs> Want to make sure we're right on the show. Yeah. Yeah. The Broncos won the turnover battle against the, the Ravens one to zero. 
Oh man. Okay. Never mind. I was so excited that I, I noticed that, and then boom, you destroy it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Got to got to keep them real on here. Yep. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, so some unique stats that I just want to point out. I already talked about it a little bit. Mayfield with his cur- perfect quarterback rating when he was under pressure this last week. Uh, Nick Chubb. He's leading all rookie running backs in yards after contact at over four point five yards per carry. That's uh, that's a pretty crazy stat there. And then over the second half of the season, I already said this, the interior offensive line has been one of the best pass-protecting units in all of football. And one thing to kind of keep an eye on, we we talked about this guy earlier that he he is actually considered a better pass rusher than Bradley Chubb as a rookie so far. But Gerard Avery, they have him drop back into coverage quite a bit, and he has actually been one of the worst coverage grades of any linebacker in football. So Case Keenum, if you see this guy drop back in coverage, that is where you throw the football. That would require a tight end that can get open. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's weakness against weakness there. We'll see who wins that one. What is it like when an Im- immovable object meets an unstoppable force? We have a, a stoppable force versus an easily moved object. So <laughs> whoever doesn't suck more. No, sorry, guys. Uh, Lacoste and Brian Parker, you know, just not the best. Not the best. Yeah. Look, not, not their fault, you know, undrafted right. being put in a situation where they're not ready or equipped for it. So you can't really, really hate on them for being out there in this situation. Just, it's just unfortunate. Right. But now moving on to key matchups, I kind of hinted on it earlier and I'm going to be doing a film piece this week on this exact matchup because it's so juicy to me, but Garrett Bowles versus Miles Garrett, they do move them around a little bit. They can have him be three tech. They have him sometimes at five tech, especially when they got Avery rushing, but Garrett Bowles versus Miles Garrett is something that I am really just, I, I couldn't be more nervous and excited for at the same time because Garrett Bowles, you know, he's still playing up and down, but he's playing like a top 25 offensive tackle in the league going forward or since the bye week, which is, I mean, there's probably only about 45 serviceable tackles in the NFL period. So if you can get one, that's one of those guys. I think that's a big get. And if Garrett Bowles can handle this game, well, he's well on his way to shutting up a lot of haters and detractors of his game. But at the same time, Miles Garrett is one of the top 10 edge rushers in the NFL right now. And he just scratching the surface and probably one of the top five, most athletically dominating. So, It'll be if Garrett Bowles can hold up in this game, that says a heck of a lot to me. So it'll it'll be worth it'll be worth watching for because Miles Garrett, I mean, he can beat you. He can beat you across your face with power. He can bull rush you. He can bend the corner. He's got crazy bursts. His lower body is so explosive. I mean, it's 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 crazy what he can do. You know, I, a lot of people said were hating on me for saying I think Miles Garrett was the better prospect than Bradley Chubb and you know Miles Garrett's first season you know he was raw what do you know he wasn't playing great definitely not the the football player day one that Chubb was but those tools are coming together and he's playing better and better so really looking forward to that matchup and that's going to be one my, my, a lot of people's eyes you know watch the quarterback watch the offensive playmakers I'm going to be watching you know, Garrett Bowles 72 versus Miles Garrett number 95 all day all I kept thinking was you, you'd said the word haters, and I just picture Garrett Bowles at the end of the game doing a, a video real quick of all you haters out there. I, yeah, I, I, just, I would be about it. I can't picture him actually doing it, but it, it'd be pretty funny if he did. He's just a big goofball. I, I would love to see him have a press conference come out kind of. The granted, the Broncos got to win the game. You know, right. a lot of 
that fun is not fun if you're doing it, but you're getting beat. So yeah, uh, um, I'll probably, I'll, I'll finish up my next two and then I can give you your guys's uh, yeah. big one this week. We talked about it last week, the Broncos linebackers and safety's ability to cover a mismatched tight end, that flex tight end, which I hope you've been reading that piece, those tight end pieces that I've been sending you, Carl. Yes, I football have. Room pieces because tight ends still matter in this league, as George Kittle pointed out, and as you know, I was showing, and the arguably the most unique weapon that this Browns team have on offense is their tight end, David Joku. You know, kind of a, a skinnier guy, more of a big tight end or a big wide receiver than a true tight end. But man, this guy is a. A freak. I w- I'll just say it. He's a freak. You know, there was three tight ends taken in the that draft that season in the first round. You had OJ Howard, you had uh, Evan Ingram, and then you had the last one taken, David Njoku, and he was raw, but man, the tools are incredible. 6'4", 250 pounds. He had one of the ar- longest arm lengths ever recorded. He just got, you know, vines out there with a 35 and a half inch arm length. And then his vertical jump is 40. All of his explosive drills pretty much outside of his 20-yard shuttle were 80, 80th percentile or better. So yeah. just just a mismatch weapon, not totally refined yet as a route runner. But man, the, the Broncos showed last week that the the tight ends, the, the, the linebackers, and the safeties are vulnerable to play action and moves over the middle. And Baker Mayfield is freaking awesome at targeting the tight end. I mean, him and Josh Rosen last year were the best two in college football at doing that. So d- Broncos got to come up with some sort of response this week because what, I mean, I know George Kittle is great, you know, great player. Don't get me wrong, but what he did last week against the Broncos was just an embarrassment. And David Njoku has the ability to do that as well. So they got They got to come up with something this week to slow him down because if they don't, he can run rampant over the middle of the defense. And then finally, sorry, a little pauser. <laughs> good. Finally, the Broncos edges versus the Broncos tackles in Mayfield. Um, I would love to see, we'll get into the game plan mode here, but the Broncos edges, I like them a lot in this game, in this matchup, but I feel like Baker Mayfield is so good in that pocket that I would love to see the defensive front get a little bit, a little bit creative here with some more stunts and twists than we've seen because that interior offensive line is great. But if one thing I've noticed is that these tackles aren't the best athletes and they will chase inside teams that I've seen had more success against these Browns defensive or the Browns offensive fronts have been teams that have drawn these tackles inside on their matchups and created, you know, better areas, better angles for guys to blitz off the edge. So more twist in front, but I really like the Broncos edges, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb versus the Browns tackles in this game. All right, well, I have two key matchups. And my first one, I mean, it's just two coaches, Greg Williams versus Bill Musgrave. And it just, I mean, it it comes down to can Bill Musgrave actually come up with a a game plan to counter how aggressive Greg Williams is? You already talked about it. They they love to force turnovers. That's their main thing. They want to get out there and and make some make the quarterback nervous, get negative plays, all those kind of things. And can Bill Musgrave scheme guys open? Can he come up with a way of, of countering uh, some of those rushes that they're going to try to bring in this game? I mean, you already talked about Jabril Peppers. He loves to come down and rush the quarterback, loves to get involved in the run game. Uh, can you find that hole right behind him? It just There's a lot of things. Bill Musgrave, is, uh, we're, we're talking about Vance Joseph now maybe having to coach for his job. Well, it's the same for Bill Musgrave. I mean, if Vance Joseph goes, probably Bill Musgrave's going to go too. And... He just, he hasn't been as creative. I mean, he has games where he shows creativity. I'm like, okay, this guy's turning a corner. And then the next game, he goes right back to his very common play calling. And then uh, Philip Lindsay and Freeman, 
versus their front seven. I mean, it's it's got to be a bounce back game for the run game. The the Broncos offense goes as the run game goes. And and some of that's going to be scheme wise how Greg Williams plays this, but there are times where like I already said, the the Browns will be over aggressive. There there's going to be some cutback lanes where especially Lindsay, man, if he can hit that cutback lane and cut across it's wide open field. They they love to get their guys coming downhill, and if you can break through that first group, it can become a, a very long play. I watched the the Houston Tech and Texans game, that last really bad game that that Mayfield of course had, but I watched the offense for Houston, and man, there were just some really really nice cutback lanes, and they were able to get the run game going really really well, and it just confused the the Browns of exactly what was going to be coming at them. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I can't disagree. Yeah, I can't disagree. Now we're just about to get out of here, but before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we do pride ourselves on being able to relay you all the breaking news on the Broncos as is happening in real time. But what we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective, from all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dive on player evaluations, and you know draft season coming up, draft content as well. We save our best and our most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and VIP insider forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click the monthly or annual option and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger and you have my word, you will not be disappointed. All right, Carl, I'm going to go first this time on the coaching corner. I got the Broncos defense versus the Browns offense, and it's you know pretty simple. I, I, you know, It's not going to be easy, but I talked about it a little bit here. But the main thing, kind of ranted on it earlier, is don't buy it on that play action. You know, if, the, if Nick Chubb is running for five yards per carry, that's not great. But you know what's even worse is if your linebackers and your safeties totally bite on play action and then you give up an 85-yard touchdown. Ben, don't break. Ben, don't break then don't break. You got to make him march it down the field. And Baker is a good enough quarterback, mature enough in his game that he will take what the defense gives you. But I, I still want to see him, you know, 15 play drives rather than big explosive plays, which, you know, if the Broncos play more discipline in that first half yesterday, the defense plays well enough overall to give this team a chance to win. You know, Niners aren't great. Don't get me wrong, but you got to play that bend. Don't break. You can't bite on the play action. Uh, and I would like to see some stunts and twisted, create pressure up the middle. You know, this isn't going to be so much the Baker with pressure is something that's, concerning me and i feel like the broncos can get more pressure organically with the front four i don't think you need to blitz as much as they are when you have guys like vaughn and chubb i'd rather have bodies clouding the backfield than create big open spaces up front but you still got to mix mix and match it there but i'd like some more stunts and twists to get pressure up the middle on baker and then the dl i mean it's easier said than done but last week the defensive line specifically the interior defensive line was just beat up front one of the few games uh, this season honestly where the broncos defensive front was beat up at the point of attack. You know, that's been their bread and butter on defense all season. They, they were getting pushed off the line of scrimmage consistently. So the defensive line has to do better this week. And that's not going to be easy with this interior defensive or the interior offensive line of the Browns. I like it. All right. Well, on the offensive side of things, there's some things I really think the Broncos could get creative with that don't not only help Case Keenum out, but also really can can confuse the the Browns here. And, and some of that is I'd like to see a little bit more Max protect, but mix in 
guys may be doing a little bit of the delay because like, like I said earlier, they are a very aggressive defense. And so sometimes you can have where say your tight end stays in kind of chips a guy and then does the 1001, then goes out into the flat and he might be wide open because they're thinking, Oh man, this guy's staying in the block. There's some plays like that. You can have two running backs in the backfield to help out with, with blocking. You can pick and choose which one goes out for a route, how they're going to go about that. But you just got to do a little bit more to give some of these young receivers time to get open and and to make Case Keenum feel a little bit more comfortable staying in the pocket. It just and you can't let Miles Garrett come in there and just beat you. I mean, I know you talked about having uh, having bulls on him one on one and loving that kind of matchup. But I think there's this is maybe one of those times be point of view it's different than liking it as far as we're going to win the matchup well okay I, I, right and i understand that but it's one of those at least for me i'm willing to to offer him some help a little bit more in this game because of just how good of a playmaker he is it's kind of like with von miller for the broncos teams are going to help out with von miller it doesn't matter if you have a great right tackle you still want to help him out every once in a while and and so that's something i'm willing to do here i'm running a lot of Zone stretch plays in this one because that op- opens up a lot of cutback opportunities. I'm making this defense have to run side to side, and I'm hoping that they're going to overcommit on some plays, that they're just going to overrun it, and then boom. Philip Lindsay, he has had incredible vision most of the season. That's a great opportunity for him to make some big plays. And then, of course, you run a lot of bootleg off of that. I know a lot of teams have been keying towards that, but if you hit off, especially early in the game, a couple big runs, man, they're going to start crashing down that line of scrimmage and it opens up some opportunities in that play action. And then finally, you got to work for positive plays. The Browns feed, like I said, on the ability to be aggressive, forcing long downs and distances that let their pass rush take over in in these kind of games. And you you just got to get positive plays. Be willing to pick up those little chunk three, four yard plays and just try to stay ahead and not getting those third and long plays like we had a lot in this past game. It just you got to be a little bit more on schedule. I know that's something the Broncos have not done well this season, but this is one of those teams. You got to be on schedule if you're going to have any kind of positive impact in the and as an offense. Yeah, good points. I can't disagree. I am. It's just a total, you got to find balance, you know, and Case Keenum, there was, he literally doing a press conference right now on, on Twitter. I saw, or the, it was streaming on Twitter saying, yeah, he does need to be more aggressive and give his guys a chance to make plays down the field. So that's, that would have been a good time to do it last week, <laughs> honestly, with a press man coverage. So we'll see what the Browns do, but it'll be, it'll be an interesting thing. And hopefully Musgrave and whoever's calling plays offensively will have a counter strike because they did not last week. All right, well, Carl, now to the predictions. I actually got the Broncos winning this game. I got them winning 24-21. to 21. I think it'll be close, and I think it's going to take a, a last-minute drive in desperation to finally kind of open up that offense, take some shots down the field, and they get the ball to bounce their way enough times. The Broncos walk away with a three-point victory, 24-21. to 21. And I, I'm Debbie Downer this week, actually. Man. I went with Browns 24, Broncos 20. I just I think there's going to be a couple really bad turnovers in this game, and I just think sometimes the especially the shock of this last game, I just I think it's going to take some wind out of their sails for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. It must be something to do with the holidays. You know, I got it off. I'm kind of looking forward to the time off, and you're looking. I mean, <laughs> obviously you're not not looking forward to Christmas, but 
it's definitely a busy time of year for you. So yeah, my, my wife always calls me the Grinch of Christmas. I, I don't like to do decorations and all those kind of things. And like, I got so many other things going. I don't like to, to get all that going in. And I got burned out as a kid. My mom mm-hmm. always decked out our house. We had a point where we had to eat in the garage because the house was, was too nice with all the decorations and uh, ever since then eat a meal in your own house. We got to have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly where we were. So I kind of got burned out on Christmas. Then I I love Christmas because I mean, it's, it's something that's important to me, but yeah, it it kind of, I let my wife handle a lot of that for sure. Yeah. My, my fiance is the more Christmassy one. And then there is my father who, I sometimes think might believe he's Santa Claus. Like it's that level. And he does actually dress up as Santa's for like one of his jobs and will do some gigs as Santa Claus. And I'm 99% sure I'm named after St. Nicholas. So (laughs) I'm not kidding. You laugh, but this is is not honest truth. So Christmas is a big deal in my, my household. So I said Christmas and now I hear somebody opening a door behind me, probably the fiance coming in. So, all right, well, that's going to wrap up this episode of building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Hendel MHH. Also make sure you head over to mile high huddle, a new affiliate of 24 seven sports and CBS sports digital to find ours on our co-writers content related to all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, draft content, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast and the Building Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Malai Huddle, and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.